Today we're starting a brand new series called Upside Down, which is a word often used to describe, I guess, how Jesus lived his life, but also about the coming kingdom that he taught us about, the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God that Jesus teaches us about is radically different to any human kingdom. All the human attributes that we tend to value and think, are, think of as important in this life are often considered to be actually of little worth in the kingdom of God and vice versa. Those things that actually hold value in the kingdom of God are typically dismissed as being foolish in this world. And that's why people talk about this as being upside down. You know, it's so countercultural. What Jesus taught overturns all the things that we typically think of as being important in this life. And so to follow Jesus often means that we are at odds with the world around us. And so the, the challenge is for us as disciples is to not give in to the way that the world thinks and operates. Romans 12.2 puts it like this. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The pattern of this world tells us to hoard our wealth, but Jesus renews our mind and tells us that actually there's more joy found in giving things away. The pattern of this world tells us that some people are worth more than others, but Jesus renews our mind and shows us that all people have inherent value. The world says, seek revenge. Jesus says, forgive. The world says, hate your enemy, but Jesus says, love your enemy. It's all upside down. Right? The challenge for us as disciples is to not conform to the pattern of this world, but instead to be transformed, allow your mind to be renewed so that you can see things from God's point of view, all right? And maybe then to bring a little bit of that kingdom of God here to earth. And so Jesus, he presents a very different view of what's important and what we should value in life. He's, he's very countercultural in much of what he says. And so throughout this series, you're going to hear from us about all the things Jesus taught that were upside down. And one of those things that Jesus taught extensively on was forgiveness. That's what I'm going to talk about today. And to this day, it is still one of the most challenging and countercultural practices of our faith. So what does it mean to forgive? It means to stop feeling anger or resentment towards someone who has offended you. It means that you no longer harbour these feelings of, of bitterness, of hatred towards someone that has hurt you or done wrong by you. Forgiveness is, is not just about saying the words, it's this active process in which you make a conscious decision to let go of those negative feelings, whether or not the person deserves it. And in our modern day culture, this idea that you should forgive, I think it's often looked at as a high ideal. It's, it's something that sounds good in theory, but people kind of look at it and say, actually, I don't think it's possible. All right? I think everyone would agree that if it was possible, the world would be a better place. But people look at it and they say, it's just too hard to make it a reality. All right? And you know, I can see it from their point of view. I mean, look at the shape our world is in now. Our world is strafed with horrific wrongs. You know, there's, there's war, there's abuse, there's injustice, there's greed. And on a, a personal level, we've all experienced those things that lead to broken relationships. You know, you, you've all felt the sting of betrayal. We all know what it's like to experience slander and gossip. Maybe you've had somebody steal something from you. We all live with 
unresolved conflicts to some extent. There's, there's probably not a single person alive who hasn't experienced some sort of hurt or wrongdoing at the hands of another person. And when you've experienced, I think, really deep hurt, deep pain, it's hard to imagine anything else than seeking revenge, right? Wanting so badly to, to hurt the other person and make them feel what you've felt. And I think the world's thinking is that because the hurt done to you can never be undone, the only way that you're going to feel some sort of satisfaction is to make the other person feel the kind of hurt that you've felt, you know? And I think for most people, forgiveness, in a way, it kind of feels like you're letting someone off the hook, right? That you're letting them get away with the wrong that they've done. And for that reason, it's, it's not something that people typically even want to comprehend. But in stark contrast to the way that the world thinks, we're reminded, actually, that forgiveness is still possible. It's not just a high ideal. And there's a, a recent example that I think shows us that it is still possible. You may have heard of a, a Sydney couple called Danny and Layla Abdullah. In 2020, 1st of February 2020, they tragically lost their three children and their niece. The, the kids, they were walking down the road, they were off to get ice cream and an out-of-control ute mounted the curb and killed them. And it was later revealed that the driver was both drunk and on drugs. All right, it's every parent's worst nightmare. It was so tragic and so shocking that it made headlines in the news everywhere. And it's probably not that unusual for tragic events to make it into the news, but what made this the top news story wasn't the tragedy itself. It was the fact that the parents, Danny and Layla Abdullah, had announced that they had forgiven the driver who was responsible. Right? And we have to look at this and, and see just how radical that is. I mean, this is a family that's lost their children, and not just because of an unavoidable event, but because of something that was so avoidable. It was such a needless loss of life. And these families, this family, or both families, will have to live with this loss and this heartbreak for the rest of their lives. I can only imagine that the hurt that they've experienced is overwhelming. You know? And our culture was left asking, how could anyone possibly forgive that? It was so shocking, it was so radical for someone to claim to forgive such a big grievance. And for that reason, it dominated the news. And so we need to ask ourselves, is it possible to forgive like the Abdullah family? You know, is it possible to forgive such a big grievance? And if it is possible, is it even in our best interest? You know, is this something that we should be doing? Is it appropriate to forgive something like that? Or are we just going to be opening ourselves up to more pain and more hurt? Those are the questions we need to ask. And a good place to start is to look at what Jesus taught. Jesus taught extensively on forgiveness, and his words on the topic, I believe, are the most significant ever spoken. So let's look at an example. This is Matthew 18, verses 21 to 22. It says this, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. So in this passage, Peter asks Jesus how many times he should forgive someone who's done wrong by them. You know, and many of us have heard Jesus' response that we should forgive not seven times, but 77 times. 
some translations say 70 times 7. And to understand the significance of Jesus' response, it helps to have an understanding of the culture at the time. So my, my Bible commentary tells me that the leaders at the time, the Jewish rabbis, they taught that you should forgive someone up to a maximum of three times. So if someone wronged you on the fourth time, you didn't have to forgive them. They'd, have, they'd had enough chances to try and do the right thing. And so you can, you can almost imagine what Peter's trying to say here. He's saying, I'll double it and add one, you know. I'll be very generous with how much I forgive someone. And Jesus' response, though, it redefines this concept that they had of what forgiveness meant. He says not seven times, but 77 times. He says it's not a number, it's an attitude. And that attitude is always be ready to forgive. And, and that in itself is shocking enough, you know, saying that there's no limit to the number of times that you should forgive someone. But you'll also notice that there aren't any conditions attached to this statement. My, my Bible commentary also tells me that at the time Jesus lived, forgiveness was almost always conditional. You know, even amongst, or perhaps even especially amongst, the religious leaders of the day. So, for example, if someone had wronged you, it was your right to say, I will forgive you if you have suffered enough. I will forgive you if you pay back enough. I'll forgive you if you've shown enough repentance. There was always a condition attached to whether or not someone would be forgiven. It was a very exacting, demanding type of conditional forgiveness. But what Jesus presents to Peter here is a new way of thinking. You know, when he says forgive 77 times, he doesn't say only if they pay you back. He doesn't say only if they've suffered enough. In other words, it's unconditional. You should always be ready to forgive and be able to do it with no strings attached. That's the radical forgiveness that Jesus taught, an unlimited and unconditional forgiveness. It's completely upside down. And it was shocking back then and it's still shocking today. It would, I think, especially have been shocking because people would have been asking, well, what's in it for me? You know, to not only say that you should keep on forgiving but also that it should be done unconditionally seems like you're setting yourself up for more hurt. But one thing that I know about God is that his plans for us are good. Yeah, he's, he asks us to keep his commands, I believe, because they're ultimately for our benefit. Right? God says that he has plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And as disciples, that's how we need to start thinking about forgiveness. God asks us to forgive because he has our well-being in mind. And I truly believe that. He doesn't want to harm us. He has a plan and a future for us. And if that's the case, then forgiveness is all about you. And I think while this, this wisdom has been known to and experienced by Jesus' disciples for a long time, it's only more recently become known more widely and brought to light through modern research, which I find really fascinating. Mental health professionals now tell us that forgiveness is beneficial for our lives. Research supports the theory that holding on to unforgiveness can negatively affect you both mentally and physically, while the act of forgiveness itself has been shown to have many benefits. There are some examples here. Forgiveness improves your psychological well-being. Studies have shown that people who forgive are happier. They're more hopeful. They generally score higher on measures of psychological well-being. 
They also tend to have less stress, less anxiety and depression. And overall, they're more satisfied with their lives. And that's the reason, and the reason rather for that, is that when you choose to forgive someone, you're letting go of the anger, the hatred, the bitterness. You're choosing to let go of those things and maybe even letting go of the fear associated with the offender. And that's what I love about the word forgiveness itself. The Greek word used in the Bible literally means to release, to let go. When you forgive, you're releasing the hatred, releasing the bitterness. It's kind of like you've been tied to something and you're now letting it go. That's the positive impact it can have on your mental health. The second one there is that forgiveness improves our relationship with other people. The more you hold on to your hatred and bitterness, the more other people can't stand to be around us. That's true. I'm sure you know people in your life or maybe you've seen it in yourself. People are driven away from us when we seem to have a, a grudge against the world and focus on the negatives all the time. And, and this affects our relationships with other people. On the other hand, those people who practice forgiveness are known to attract people to themselves and are better at building relationships with other people. And as a church, we know just how important relationships with people are. You know, those relationships that we build with other people provide a means for mutual support, care, encouragement, counsel. It's so important. The third one there, forgiveness. Apparently it extends your life. Studies have shown that people who are more forgiving live longer. That's pretty amazing to think about. And the reason they live longer is that forgiveness is linked to a bunch of physical benefits. People who are more forgiving have improved cholesterol levels, they sleep better, have reduced pain, reduced blood pressure, and a lower risk of having a heart attack. Now, forgiveness, it's really about you. Yeah, and when Jesus says we, sh we should forgive, not seven times, but 77 times, he knows that ultimately it's for our own good. God's plan is to prosper you and not to harm you. He wants you to, to have a hope and a future. And that's one reason why we should always be ready to forgive. And I think at this point, it's also important for me to mention that I don't want this to come across as me saying that forgiveness is easy. You know, I, I definitely don't want you to leave here today thinking I'm saying it's not a big deal to get over it or tough enough. That's not what this is about. You know, the, real, the reality is that forgiveness is not always easy to do. I think especially when the person who has wronged you is a friend or a family member, it can be especially hard. Right? And even more so when we know that Jesus commands us to do it unconditionally, without exception. Right? In fact, this is what Danny Abdallah says about his experience. He says, it's very, very hard and always we wake up with a broken heart. Always, every day. He wakes up with a broken heart. He's reminded every day of the loss of his children. Right? And as a result, forgiveness is probably now a daily process right? where he makes that decision to let go of the hatred, the bitterness, the anger every single day. Forgiveness is not always easy. And if you are someone who has experienced some sort of trauma, some sort of abuse or severe hurt, I want you to know that it matters. It matters to me. It matters to this church, but most of all, it matters to God. And it matters to God because justice matters. Psalm 89.14 describes God by saying, righteousness and justice are the foundations of your throne. Justice is important to God. And because justice 
is important, there will be a judgment day to come, which will account for all the wrongdoing that has happened here on earth. And really, that should give us all reason to rejoice because God is saying, I'm going to take care of it. There are people all over the world who have experienced profound wrongdoing at the hands of other people, but we can take comfort in knowing that God will take care of it, that it hasn't gone unnoticed, that God sees it, and there'll be a day of judgment to account for it. And so if justice is important to God, then it should be important to us too. And that means when we have been wronged, we should seek justice and not revenge. Romans 12, 19 says this. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. God has said that he's going to take care of it. All right? Because God knows that for us, seeking revenge only fuels more hatred, more bitterness, more self-righteousness, and more wrongdoing at the end of the day. And the people that we ultimately hurt are ourselves and the people that we love. But God knows our pain. God sees our hurt. And he says to us, because I love you, because I know what unforgiveness will do to you, you must always be ready to forgive. So whatever hurt you've gone through, I want you to know that it matters to God. That's important. And there will be a day of judgment to account for it. But while we are here on earth, we are called to forgive. And that forgiveness is not the same as trust. I think that's important to say as well. When you forgive someone, you're, you're letting go of the hatred and the bitterness. You no longer want revenge. But that doesn't mean you have to put yourself back into a hurtful situation. Right? Forgiveness can lead to broken relationships being mended. I know that's true. I've seen it happen. But if the person is violent or abusive, I don't believe that you have to invite that person back into your life. Proverbs tells us that it's actually wise to take precautions and avoid danger. Proverbs tells us this, the prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. Forgiveness is not the same as trust. If you forgive someone, you don't have to live as if the wrongdoing never occurred, and you certainly don't have to live as if you don't remember it. Uh, a popular saying, a modern day saying, is forgive and forget. But you won't find those words in the Bible because we're not expected to live as if the wrongdoing never occurred. Instead, the Bible tells us to be prudent, take care about the future, seek refuge when you're in danger from sin. Yeah, and that means that sometimes the dynamics of a relationship will have to change. I would never expect someone to, to put themselves back into a, a harmful situation, but I would expect that we'd be able to forgive. And we've already said that forgiveness can be hard even when we know that the ones who benefit most from it is us, it can still be hard. And for a lot of people, it might be too much to even consider forgiving someone when you've experienced such great hurt and suffering. So how did the Abdullah family do it? You know, what enabled them to forgive? This is what Danny Abdullah says. He says, that's the Holy Spirit in us. That's us knowing our kids are in heaven. I look at it in that light. The Abdullah family are followers of Jesus and they have invited the Holy Spirit into their lives. And that is the source of their power. Right? That unconditional, unlimited forgiveness that Jesus commands us to live out, it might sound 
like an impossible ideal to the world, but it shouldn't to us. Not to the people who have the Holy Spirit living inside of them. The Holy Spirit is at work in us right now, transforming us into people who are more like Jesus every single day. And really, Jesus is the ultimate example of someone who forgave. Jesus didn't just forgive a select few people. He forgave everyone. He didn't forgive just a few small grievances. He forgave everything. For each and every person who has ever lived, he paid for their sins. He paid the price that would otherwise have had to been paid by us. And now for those of us who call Jesus Lord and Saviour, we have experienced that freedom that comes with that. We know just how much we have been forgiven. And it's like this weight has been lifted off of us. It's like there was a chain holding us back and that chain is now broken. We've been set free and in that freedom, we allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. And I know for, fact, for a fact that in my human strength, I would never be able to forgive 77 times. But because God has forgiven me, set me free from my sin and sent the Holy Spirit to live inside of me, I know it's possible. I know I can do it now. And so this is what it comes down to. Always be ready to forgive. When Jesus says not seven times, but 77 times, he says it's not a number, it's an attitude. Always be ready to forgive. It's an idea that's very countercultural. It's not something that you'll hear the world say. It's completely upside down. And know that it's always for our benefit. God asks us to do this because ultimately it's for our own good. It doesn't mean it's easy. It's probably going to be really hard. But we also have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit gives us the power to see it through. And so what Jesus has shown us really is an unconditional love. And Jesus wants us to then go and live that out. He wants us to show that type of unconditional love to other people. So I'd invite you to take a moment to thank God for forgiving you. you know, thank God for setting you free from your sin and take a moment to rest in the freedom that that brings. Feel the weight of those sins lift off you and let that create space for the Holy Spirit to be at work in your life. And then I'd also invite you to forgive those who have done wrong by you. And those who have hurt you, I'd invite you to release the anger, the hatred and the bitterness and let it go. And not out of your own strength, but out of the strength given to you by the Holy Spirit, knowing that the Holy Spirit will help you release those things, release the anger, the hatred, the bitterness. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this time that we get to spend in your presence. Lord, each and every one of us here, praise you, Lord. We thank you so much for forgiving us. We thank you, Lord, that you've lifted that weight off our shoulders. Thank you, Lord, that you do it unconditionally, without limit. There's no sin, Lord, that you couldn't forgive. Lord, you are powerful and almighty, and I thank you, Lord, for setting us free. And Lord, in that space, we invite the Holy Spirit. We invite the Holy Spirit into our lives, Lord, to fill us up, to overflow with all the things that you say are good and loving. And in that space, Lord, we forgive those people who've done wrong against us. We forgive them, Lord. We lay down all the anger, all the hatred, 
all the bitterness that comes from those things, and we lay it down at your feet, knowing, Lord, that you will take care of it. There will be a day to account for all the wrong that has been done, and we let it go, Lord. In your mighty name.